The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus taught, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, I remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Right. Today is an interesting parable that Jesus shares. And what do I think of when I hear this parable? I think about times when it really could be too late. Um, when I was six, I remember hearing some like at school or something, maybe in a book that they read to us, the idiom, missing the boat. I'm sure you're all familiar with the idea of you might miss the boat. If you don't show up for something or you're late or whatever, you're not prepared, you might miss the boat and it will take off without you. It always caused me great anxiety when I was six years old because I had a distinct mental image of standing on a dock at a port and the boat that I needed to be on was leaving. The foghorn was going off and I was standing there holding my bag. I would not get to go where I needed to go. I missed the boat. There's no way the boat was going to stick around and wait for me. Everyone else had to be where they wanted to be and it was important enough to them to be there on time. 
They didn't miss the boat. I missed the boat. And so it must not have been that important to me. And so if you really wanted to be on the boat, I would have been there ready and on time. And so when we went on a family cruise in junior high, despite being older and wiser, I still had that great anxiety placed in me as a child as I waited in line to get on this enormous boat with my family. What if we forgot to pack something we needed? What if we didn't bring our passports? What if we had to run home? What if we weren't prepared? What if the boat took off without us? In our parable today, Jesus compares and contrasts the preparedness of two people. The rich man, who doesn't have a name, and you should keep in mind that Jesus says, rejoice that your name is written in the book of heaven, and this man does not have a name. And he contrasts him with Lazarus, the poor man, who has a name. The rich man puts his trust in the things that he has. He had a good life, but he puts his faith in all that he had done, all the things that he has, as assurance that he's a good guy and he's doing fine. He does not put his faith in God. He puts his faith maybe even in the position that he has in his community. Lazarus puts his trust, his faith, in the promised deliverance of God, just like he had delivered his people in the past, say in the Exodus, delivering them from the captivity in Babylon and Assyria. He put his faith in what he had heard all of his life in the word of God that was taught in his childhood at home, that was taught in the synagogue, that was spoken of with friends, family, and all of the guys at work. The rich man dies and he goes to hell. Lazarus dies and he is welcomed into heaven, into the comfort of the arms of Abraham, for he truly is a son of Abraham. The rich man realizes that it's too late. He should have repented or turned away from the false things that he's putting his trust in in his life, in his riches, in his status, in the success of his family, in the success of his children. He should have repented of that and instead trusted in God in his time here on earth instead of trusting in the way things are going and things were going fine. But he can't do that now. He has died, passed over the great chasm. It's too late. So now all of a sudden he wants someone, specifically Lazarus, his servant, to come down from heaven, back from the dead, in a miracle to tell his brothers that they need to repent of their trust in the pleasures of the world and have faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. But he can't. He can't do it. It's too late. He missed the boat. In fact, Jesus 
drives it home hard. It even becomes mysterious. Is the he he said to him? Is that Abraham and the story? Or is that Jesus saying it to the crowd? Maybe it's both. Jesus says, they already have Moses and the prophets. They already have the Old Testament, the scriptures, to tell them to repent, to turn away of their evil lives, to trust that they're trusting in what they have. Turn away from that. Stop trusting in your status. Stop trusting in your family and friends over God. And so Jesus says, why in the world would they believe a ghost who came down from heaven? Why then would they repent? If they already have thousands of years of Old Testament promise and prophecy telling them to repent of their sinful ways and trust in the Lord. He says, in fact, they wouldn't even be convinced to repent if someone rose from the dead. The ultimate miracle, someone rising from the dead, it's only happened twice in Old Testament scriptures. It will happen in the man Jesus Christ. You've heard the gospel. You've heard God's word. So no amount of volunteer work, no amount of food donated, no amount of time volunteered will let you skip repenting of your sin. No matter what you do, you cannot skip having to personally turn away from your sinfulness, turn away from the false trust that you have in other things and not God. And when I say this, I mean your actual sins. Not a life you used to live when you were younger or something you did a long time ago, but now you're Christian. I'm talking about the lust, the cheating, the hurtful gossip you've done last week, this morning, in your, not even maybe your actions, but in the desires of your heart. All of that truly separates you from God, but it's not too late. If you continue to do those things, if, it's, if that is what you live for, you're on the fast track to death. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ came down from heaven, took on flesh, and was tempted with your same sins. But he resisted them. Not so that you can perfectly resist them, but so that you can trust in his perfection. He lived a perfect life. He suffered and died for your sins. The sins that you did last week. But then Jesus rose again. Not as some supernatural sign to tip the scales of your thinking or your opinion toward the benefits you'll get if you become a Christian and decide to, but to actually give you life. You couldn't do it before, but now you can. You couldn't resist it before, but now you can because Jesus Christ lives in you. That's what it means to be a temple of his spirit. And if you are baptized, his spirit is in you. You can resist temptation. 
just like Christ did. But when you can't, when you fall into your same old traps, Jesus pleads with you to repent, to turn away, desire to do better, and trust in his forgiveness. His forgiveness is true. It is real. It really wipes away your sins. For he has given you a spirit to be free. Free from the control of sin. Free from the desires of this evil world. Like surface level friendships. Like feeling the way you want to feel. Like avoiding pain. This is all smoke and mirrors distracting you from Christ found in his word. Distracting you from realizing that the end is coming soon for you. Have you repented and trusted in the forgiveness found in Christ's bloody death and resurrection today? Are you doing everything you can to stop God's messengers from giving you this message or cutting yourself off from preaching from God's word, from the fellowship of the body of Christ in his church, because it's not what you want to hear. If you are cutting God's word out of your life as found in the scriptures, preaching his word, the sacraments, you will Miss the boat. It's what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. You or your family or your friends, people out there, the people at Jewel, the people at the gas station, they're still waiting like the rich man for their own custom sign, their own custom miracle expressed from God to them that now you ought to repent. But they wait, and they wait, and they wait, until they die, and they go down to Hades. And it's too late. They miss the boat. All the while, Christ's word has been there. The scriptures written by Moses, the words of the prophets, the promises of the histories of God's people, the gospels of our Lord Jesus Christ, the letters to Christ's churches. Christ's revelation of how everything will end, it's all been there. It's there for you. It's for you to put your trust in because it is sure, no matter what, it is his strong word. We call it thy strong word. God's word is miraculous. It alone can work repentance in your heart. It alone can create faith. But it's also simple. God's word is the simplest way that God could have and did communicate his requirements and love to us people. Your friends and family Maybe your school, maybe your TV, maybe the internet might be telling you that the scriptures have been tampered with or translated incorrectly. You can't trust them. But what if? What if the scriptures are the most important thing in the world? 
What if they have been meticulously kept out of love, hard work, and divine intervention? What if an all-powerful and all-knowing God planned that if he wanted humans to know something, he just had to tell them with words? What if they wrote it down? And why were these things written? I'm not sure if y'all have ever done Divine Service 4. It's something I grew up with as a kid. But because y'all are very liturgical, maybe you haven't. But in Divine Service 4, after we read the scriptures, we all chant something beautiful together. And what we chant is, is John, a verse from the Gospel of John. And it goes like this. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And trusting in his word is enough. Enough to work repentance. Enough to know that he is the Son of God. And by faith in him, you will be saved. Hallelujah.